One of the great things about my work is that I get to travel around the country and meet interesting and inspiring people. And on a recent trip to Gunditjmara country, I had the privilege of meeting Denise Lovett. Chairperson of the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council, Denise Lovett is also a key force in the protection of cultural heritage on her own country. I learnt so much from Denise when we met on the site of the old Lake Condomission, and I wanted the chance for you to meet her too. Denise, Welcome to Speaking Out. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation, Larissa. Now, first, before we get into the history of the place that um, I met you on, Lake Condomission, I wonder if you could uh, share with us where you grew up and what shaped your values and worldview. Uh, Grew up in Hayward, went to school in Hayward. My kids went to school, all born on country, went to school. My mum still lives there. All her siblings lived there, my grandmother, cousins. So Hay was only just a small town, but um, there was the biggest mob there. We were 10% of the population, actually. Now, um, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the history of Lake Condomission, and it's got an extraordinary um, history. Yeah, very much the same as all other, you know, the establishment of um, the missions that happened right across Australia. I, I think our um, our fight, started when um, Portland, which is about half an hour from Hayward, is where the first um, first invasion of our country come through Victoria. Um, so there was a big uh, and long battle there. Um, Kunditjmara fought a guerrilla war for 25 years down here, um, trying to defend their country and, and disrupt the, the settlers and squatters that were coming through. And then in the end, you know, that, that resistance was broken by the um, native police and the mission reserves were set up and then they turned into missions and people were then put on to the missions. But at the highest number of Aboriginal people on the mission, including Gunditjmara people and, and people brought in from other nations, was, was only 100. It went, operated for about 100 years. I don't think many people appreciate the significance of Portland as that first place, nor how long and protracted that frontier war was. It's a very important part of the history leading up to the to the establishment of the missions. Yeah, especially around, um, uh, yeah, especially for us down in Victoria, as you know, there was they come up, the convicts come up through through Sydney, but yeah, down here in Victoria, Portland was the port port. Of, point of entry and um, when you look at the um, massacre mapping that they're, that they're doing, the first um, lot of massacres were, were held on Gunditjmara, were carried out on Gunditjmara country and that's the ones where they have, have the information on. So it was a big, uh, a long battle but we, we paid heavily for it, Gunditjmara people from with a big nation of 59 clans right across our country and by the time, you know, the, the missions are operating and operated for that amount of time, there's only about 100 people on there and they weren't all Gunditjmara people. And then when we come to do our native title, 14, 14 um, Aboriginal ancestors that have descendants. So, yeah, big losses, big losses. What was life like on Lake Condomission? When the mission was going and it was all about control, they sort of had to come there because outside the missions, it was really unsafe for them, you know. They were getting killed and um, 
no one was caring for them. So being on the mission, at least they were with their, 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 own, their own kind, but, yeah, it was still about being controlled and you, you've changed from being a, a cultural person to being a Christian, Christian person. And that was all um, imposed. It was, wasn't, no choice was about it. It was imposed. If you didn't go to the church or you weren't doing the Christian things, then you, your rations would be stopped or you'd be put off the mission. Given that history, why has it been so important for the community to preserve the site and keep it as a, a you know, to keep it um, as somewhere that people can visit? First, because it's the turning point in our in our story, in our um, story from Aboriginal Australia, and and how we lived and how our society was to um, being put on there. Uh, who was left on there and everything they, they knew and understood about their country and, and their culture was stopped at that place. And then when you move down to um, the mission operating and then closing down and then it being, um, it was all divided up and handed out a soldier settlement for the returned soldiers, though none of the Aboriginal soldiers that were on a condo mission had spent time on Lake Condor Mission, were entitled to because they were part Aboriginal. So when they closed the mission, Kundishmara people still accessed the mission and still lived on the mission. And it was there, um, and that was in the time of my elders' cho- my elders' childhood, so that was their, their playground. So they have fond and happy mem- memories of growing up there together. It struck me that that was another part of a very important history that often gets overlooked, the the role that um, Aboriginal people played in protecting the country by participating in wars. Second World War uh, was the one we were talking about where soldiers came back. There was a soldier settlement scheme also, and as you mentioned, that wasn't available for Aboriginal men. And the consequence was that these parcels of land that had been home to people for generations were, were sold... When you think of that history and now there you are, not just looking after this site and protecting it so these stories keep being told, there's also another wonderful aspect that's very inspiring about the work that you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about what's so important about the keeping place that's now on that site? Yes. um, For years we'd go to the museums and look at our objects, our cultural materials, our we have an old um, possum skin cloak that was made back in the early mission days and, and baskets that were woven by by um, by women to catch the eels in. And um, they were all held in the museum and we could never, we kept asking for them to be returned, but they said, no, you don't have the proper facilities. And it was during our um, native title negotiations we said we would like our business centre, but more importantly we would like a keeping place and we would like that keeping place to have the um, exact uh, requirements or features that a um, museums have to hold uh, material in. So our um, keeping place can hold old um, materials of, of made of wood fibre and, and fibre and fur. Yeah, so those materials have been returned to us and we hold them on our country, on their country. I was going to ask you about that because I think for some people they might not understand why it's so important that these objects are back in the place that they came from and why repatriation to country is so important. 
It is. It, it, it's first. It's the um, the story of them being being made and what what they turned into and what they were used for and who made them and why the designs are on them and who's who's put those designs and do we know what they mean? We we um we have the objects. A lot of the story that was connected to them didn't come with them because they weren't passed on when they took the objects from from the persons. So I don't. I, I believe the objects that most museums and um, institutes hold are stolen objects and stolen material, and that's why. And that's why it doesn't have who actually made that and why they made it and what's that story that goes with that design. With some of the history you've just been talking to us about, it's very easy to think of this as a very sad story. And of course, there is a very tragic history here. But when I met you, I was actually really overcome with um, a sense of triumph. It seems that one of the things that's been quite incredible about what's been achieved on your country is not just that you're part of the world's oldest living culture and been here for 60,000 years, but the community has been all through that, and yet what you have there is a is a community that is um, getting its uh, materials back through the repatriation. Um, I had a chance to sit with some master weavers down there who are doing their cultural practice. There's a whole range of ways in which the community is now continuing to look after country. In that, oh yes, it's it's a really positive story. Oh yes, yes. From I, I mean, I said it one end of like kind of mission and I look at what we do and, and what we can achieve and the capacity that we've grown into and I look down onto the old mission site and think, you know, if, if things were just different for them, the outcome would have been different. But we're so fortunate that there is a um, good story in the end. But, yeah, we paid heavily for it. You sure did. But of course, yeah. one of the things that the community there has been involved in is obviously a ranger program, which is helping to look after country and to re-engage and protect really important cultural practices like the eel farming that was there. What's been the importance of having community come back and care for country? Oh, country needs people, you know. Country needs people. It needs all of us to be here doing what makes us feel important, doing that's what doing stuff that's important to us. It's the thing and it's and, and, and it's the doing and, and doing of this that helps us get through the past traumas and and see see that yeah there is a there is a way out and it is, you know, having the opportunity to to work on country and care for country to to come to a workplace. Um and be involved in cultural practices, strong in our identity. I had the privilege of briefly meeting your very beautiful granddaughter while I was uh, there to meet you. With all the work that you're doing, obviously you must be looking to the future in some ways. What's your hope for her and her generation? Uh, what, what do I Don't be hoping for the young people because, gee, um, <laughs> they... they um, to see where we are and to see them come through, my my grandchildren and my children have grown up with a lot that I didn't grow up with. So they've been very, really fortunate, and I think that's going to show in um, in in the opportunities that come before them in in education, but also in um, their careers, um, their sporting, their art and craft. You know, they're, they're, it's it's just there in front of them. There's um, 
racism still an issue and we still have a lot to do there. We don't have a lot to do. We don't have to address the racism because we're the victims of racism. The um, Victorian government has going through a treaty and now a truth-telling process. I was struck when I was meeting with you uh, on your country and also talking to you now, how many parts of the history of that country are so important and not enough people know them. From your perspective, what do you hope can be achieved by people hearing these stories of country? And not just the bad stories, but the good stories too. People don't know. And and when when they come and they see the mission and we tell them what the what happened on the mission, how long the mission was gone for, them, oh gee, we didn't know that. They don't even comprehend the the um. They know Aboriginal people. They know Aboriginal people were here, but that's all they know. They don't know what happened to the Aboriginal people. They don't know um, the perception of Aboriginal people. Um, from 200 years ago until now is, is yeah, it's a really hit and miss. A lot's been missed out. A lot, lot's been missed out through the education system. Yeah, just telling people the way it is and what's happened, is that's the truth-telling. Well, Denise, I so enjoyed my time on your country and despite the, the leeches that I that found me <laughs> yes, so tasty yes. I really yes. look forward to coming back because it's such a beautiful part of the world. So thank you so much for coming uh, and spending some time with us on Speaking Out so the rest of the country can hear a little bit about the extraordinarily important history and the wonderful work being done on your Gunditjmara country. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for all the opportunities that you provide for all of us. Larissa, your work is great too. Denise Lovett is the Chairperson of the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council and Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Officer at Gunditch Mearing.